Hello and welcome to Sharp Tech. I'm Andrew Sharp, and this is a free preview of today's episode. Ben, how you doing? Doing okay, Andrew. Just pretending, you know, it's great. The NBA playoffs are finished. Uh, there are no more games. <laughs> we can focus on the podcast. Uh, there definitely is not a game five happening in about an hour that that I'm worried about. So Could make it's or all break good. You. Let's, let's, yeah. Let, yeah, let's do some podcasting. I'll tell you what, man, there's no better feeling in life than canceling plans. So if the Bucks do crash and burn, then you're just going to have a lot more free time in the spring here. And so you can enjoy that, cling to that. But let's talk technology here. We'll begin with this note from Bloomberg. The UK's decision to block the biggest ever gaming deal has all but closed off any path forward for Microsoft's purchase of Activision. The Competition and Markets Authority said Wednesday that its concerns over the $69 billion takeover can't be solved by any proposed remedies, and the only solution is to prevent the deal. Microsoft and Activision have pledged to appeal the decision, but the UK block, combined with the US Federal Trade Commission's opposition to the merger, means the transaction has slim chances. The UK's decision is globally binding and has the power to stop the deal altogether if the appeal process is unsuccessful for Microsoft. And then we got this question from Jonathan who says, great piece on Microsoft Activision on Wednesday. Looking ahead, what do you think the modal endgame is? Does Microsoft have a strong chance to win on appeal? If the UK blocks the merger, can the two companies find a workaround I'm a bit confused as to why the UK has control over the merger since both Microsoft and Activision are US-based companies. Couldn't they still merge with some kind of carve-out for the UK? And then there's a second half of his email that I think is interesting, but let's start with that basic question. This is the biggest tech merger of the year. $68.7 billion was the purchase price. Biggest merger in gaming history. And somehow UK authorities are controlling the fate of two American companies. So how did we get here? What's going on? Well, I I think this is sort of the these are both global companies that sell globally, including into the UK. And that gives the UK authority. And, you know, sure, they could exit the UK market, but that doesn't mean just exiting sort of the Activision portion of this deal. It means exiting all their businesses in the UK. Mm. If they want to conduct business in the UK, they're going to be governed by the UK. And that's sort of the way it is. And this, it, by the way, I think is an interesting meta point about this case that this is going to be a bit of an issue sort of going forward, right? Like there's a lot of assumptions that have been built over the last 20, 25 years that we have global companies and global markets with harmonized sets of rules and that that's like the new normal. And that's not the new normal. That's like a historical aberration, right? And, you know, there's actually another deal that we haven't talked about. Intel acquired a company called Tower Semiconductor, you you know, over a year ago. And this is a really important acquisition for Intel because Tower Semiconductor doesn't just bring a, a portfolio to Intel's, you know, aspiring foundry business, which is a lot of sort of analog products. I mean, there's two kinds of chips. There's digital chips that are just pure ones and zeros, which Intel makes. And there's analog chips that sort of interpret real world data like sound or or temperature or, you know, just sort of sensors and, and radio waves, like all this sort of stuff and, and converts it to ones and zeros. Intel doesn't have any of that. Tower Semiconductor brings that. More importantly, Tower Semiconductor is a foundry and they bring sort of a customer service 
infrastructure that Intel right. does not have at all and needs to build. And I think Tower Semiconductor was going to be that sort of the, the, the tentpole around which Intel built this business. That's being held up by China. And, you know, this one is is obviously interesting because China, I think it's probably fair to characterize this holdup as sort of retaliation against U.S. actions against the Chinese ship industry, yeah. which, number one, you can certainly understand why they're retaliating. Number two, it raises questions as to why the fate of sort of American companies is being bound by Chinese regulators, right? Like, and, and mechanically speaking, I mean, first of all, yes, it's not a surprise at all that China is retaliating. We talked about that on Sharp China last week. I think they're, they're, the term that the Financial Times used to describe their response to some of the export, the export controls is surgical retaliation. They're picking and choosing. And, and this is a great one because like Intel is a, is a foundational piece of the U.S.'s goals to sort of domesticate more of its ship industry. And this is basically attacking the, the not just the company, but the precise acquisition that they need to make that a reality. And yeah, and to help grow. So how does China exert like jurisdiction over this because because intel sells a lot of chips in china like 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 that's just sort of the reality and you know this is again it's one of those things where you can understand how we got where we are and mm -hmm. also sort of reflect that it's kind of insane that we ended up in a situation where some of our most important companies are subject to chinese jurisdiction and this right. extends in this case sort of to to the uk now obviously uh, a gaming deal to a <laughs> lower sort of, stakes sure yeah well and 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 the uk is 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 from a national security concern is obviously an, an, an ally not not a foe but the overall principle that this is sort of a looming issue is is an important one and you have this you know there was a really funny venn diagram floating around on twitter that was talking about like uh comparison comparing the u.s you know relative strengths in ai and it mm -hmm. had the U.S. with a list of stuff and China with a list of stuff and an overlapping, you know, like a Venn diagram, you know, about where they're sort of competitive and, and very close. It's not sure who's going to win. And then the third circle in the Venn diagram was Europe, which had no overlap. And their only sort of <laughs> qualification was regulation. Rules? Yeah, I was <laughs> right? going to say the GDPR, I, which is as broad as you want to make it, depending on the circumstances. Right. So, and it, it's funny. Like, there's a whole thing about, about you know, Ken chat gpt even function legally in europe and probably not to be honest because it actually gets to like oh because chat you know chat GPT has personal data in it well what does it mean to have personal data in it like it, there right. are weights there 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 are vectors there there are numbers that represent the statistically next best word you know this sort of a transformer sort of uh, algorithm that is, is really it's just numbers it's mm -hmm. numbers that mean absolutely nothing to any human like like but that's been the case for like facebook advertising that's always been my argument is that so many of these personal data arguments people have it in their head that it's like the the stasi in east germany with like you have pictures of like folders of folders and folders in a room that's like people's personal details you could go and look that up anytime and that's how people think about like these questions of like like data in terms of advertising and one of probably i think people have uh you know one of my more positions that maybe i have fewer people that are on board with me on is that mm. actually this isn't a big deal this is all none of this bit is actually meaningful the way that this data is collected and stored is not human readable it's not accessible to anyone it's only ever leverageable 
in this sort of like, let's find like something that like in many respects, it's not the same technically, but let's statistically predict the best ad to put in someone is in broad strokes, kind of what GPT is doing. And if you can see how the, the, you know, GPT is not a violation of personal data, given the way it works, you should back up and realize that's actually kind of the same thing for a lot of these advertising platforms, but people just don't understand on a technical level, what's going on. They have an analogy to a real world sort of thing. Yeah. Regulators can use that fear of invasive technology and invading our private lives and, and using the data against us in some unspecified way. Right. And humans think they, they think in real world analogies, right? Like they have this idea of a folder in a room with all your, with all your data in it. Exactly. And, and even if that folder existed, I'm not sure what anybody would do with all of my data, uh, except serve me more ads for basketball shit that I don't need. But that's a separate issue. Uh, what happened in the EU is the GDPR. Now, I'm not an expert in EU law, but hey, you're the what, lawyer on the podcast. From, so. I, I know. And I, I did encounter the GDPR in my legal career. And what I remember is that it was just so expansive in its scope. Ultimately, you know, you can make it fit any set of facts yep. if you're looking to enforce laws and, and looking to punish companies that are out of favor for one reason or, or another. And I wonder with the Microsoft Activision situation, like all of this is downstream from what we were talking about a week ago, where we got that question about Canada's more narrow interpretation of copyright. And the EU, I'm sure, has its own set of copyright laws. And the EU on the antitrust front is very aggressive and and more aggressive than the U.S. has been. And so I wonder if regulators over there are able to scuttle a deal like this. Is the EU just going to be setting the terms of engagement on these issues going forward? That's been the case. It's been the case for a while. I mean, this is a, I think, a wake up call about a reality that's been true for a while. All right. And that's the end of the free preview. If you'd like to subscribe and receive every episode of this show, you can do so by subscribing to Stratechery Plus. That'll give you access to every Sharp Tech episode, all of our Sharp China episodes, the Dithering Podcast with Ben and John Gruber, daily analysis of the tech business from Ben, and more shows that we'll be adding in the months to come. If you'd like to become a subscriber, click the link in your show notes to get access to the entire Stratechery universe. Stratechery.